And now, for your holiday enjoyment, a special Labor Day program, One Nation Under God. Hello and welcome to this special Labor Day program. I'm Jerry Stewart. It's hard for me to believe, but I've been producing these special patriotic programs now for over 22 years. And amazingly, I still, after all this time, all these words, all these speeches, I still love doing these programs. Why? Because I love America. Yep, I'm saying it straight out for all to hear. I love America. I was sitting, thinking back the other day, and I began to try to remember back when I first fell in love with America. And as I thought, I found myself going all the way back to 1953, when little five-year-old Jerry Stewart started the first grade at D. McRae Elementary School. My teacher was Miss Harris. She was nice and kind. And on that first day of school, after Miss Harris had to deal with Billy Brown as he defiantly stuck his tongue out at her, the first thing that Miss Harris did was to lay out to our class what our daily schedule would be each day during the school year. She told us kids that each day we would start out the day with these three things. First, the checking of the roll. Who was there that day and who was absent? And each of us, when our name was called, we were to raise our hand and answer here. Now that's what made Billy Brown stick out his tongue at Miss Harris. He didn't want to answer. He didn't want anybody telling him what to do. Wow. Second, we would pray. Yeah. We would pray in our public school. That was before atheist Madeline Murray O'Hare sued our public schools, demanding that prayer and God be removed from our public schools, that we would be free and away from God. And our Supreme Court and our national leaders just gave in to an atheist. And since that time, in the 60s, schools have not been the same. Yes, in 53, we prayed. Oh, nothing fancy. We'd pray for anyone that was sick. We prayed for Karen Miller, who fell and broke her arm, and others in our class that were hurt or having a hard time. We prayed for our parents and family members, and we'd pray for God to help us to have a good day that day, to learn and grow. It was a good time, a good thing to pray in school, to start off each day with a simple, heartfelt, childlike prayer. Oh, how we desperately need prayer back in our public schools today. And the third thing we were to do each morning, each day, to start off that school day, we would say out loud a set of words, memorize words, called our Pledge of Allegiance. We were to stand up straight, no slouching, face our flag there hanging in our classroom, remove our hats or caps, put our right hand over our heart, and say these words. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Then Miss Harris would explain to us the different parts, the reasons for each part of this Pledge of Allegiance. She said that our flag was to be given honor 
and respect. And that's why we stood. It was one important way to show our respect for our nation, for those who fight to keep us free, for each state, for each person. It was a great show of respect. Oh, how desperately we need that respect back in our schools, our homes, on our streets today. But why did we place our hand over our heart and why our right hand over our heart? Well, first, the right hand is used because that is the hand normally used to hold a weapon. So, using the empty right hand here is a sign of a peaceful greeting. Oh, how we need peaceful greetings today by everyone to everyone. But why the hand over our heart? Well, that's because the heart is seen as the part of the body related to love. It's like a song or a poem that says, I love you with all my heart. So when we put our hand over our heart, it's our way of saying, America, I love you. My land, my home, I love you. And that's when it all started for me. My love for America. Right there in Miss Harris's first grade class. Oh, how desperately we need to love our America. By the way, how many of you noticed a moment ago when I spoke our Pledge of Allegiance, how many of you caught that I left out two words in the pledge? Two oh-so-important words. Under God. Well, why did I leave these two so important words out? Because back in 1953, those two words were not in the pledge. Yeah, under God, back then, was not in the pledge. So when was it added and why was it added? Well, in 1954, there was a powerful ideal sweeping across the world called communism. And communism wanted nothing to do with God. So in that year, President Dwight Eisenhower pressed Congress to add these two crucial words under God to our pledge. President Eisenhower's reason for the action, he said adding God to the pledge would, quote, reaffirm that transcendence of religious faith in America's heritage and future. In simple words, he was saying, God is a real part of our nation. Let's tell everyone and remind ourselves that we want God with us, leading us in our America. President Eisenhower went on to say that adding under God to the pledge would, quote, strengthen the spiritual weapons which will forever be our country's most powerful resources in times of peace and war. Did you get that? Did you hear it? In America, he said, God is not just one of our many resources. He is our most powerful resource. How very true. And I wonder where our COVID-19 pandemic would be right now in America if when it first came to our nation, we got on our knees, all of us, and asked Almighty God as a people to heal our land. 
President Eisenhower knows the answer, and we should too. And what did our founding fathers say about this necessity of loving our nation? It was Daniel Webster, one of our founding fathers, who said this, Let our object be our country, our whole country, and nothing but our country. And by the blessings of God, may our country become a vast and splendid monument, not of oppression and terror, but of wisdom, of peace, and of liberty, upon which the world may gaze with admiration forever. How very true. Now, does that mean that our America, that we, are somehow perfect? Absolutely not. But when our hearts are in the right place, it makes us strive and work harder with God's help to become a better America, a better you and me. And to not want everything just for me or my group or my particular skin color group, but to seek out the best America for everyone. And on today's Labor Day program, I'm going to be talking about the work, the labor we have in front of us right now to save our America. You'll hear stories of those in our nation's history that acted, took action, and by their action, they saved America, made America even better. And they are our examples for today. You'll hear the story of a volunteer cavalry all the way back in 1898 during the Spanish-American War. They were sent to Cuba to fight a great battle. They were all expert horsemen. But when their boats arrived, they had no horses. The horses had to be left behind. I'll tell you the story of what happened when they were called to fight to take San Juan Hill without their horses and what their commanding officer, Teddy Roosevelt, did to lead them. It's a great and powerful story. Do not let your children miss this one. We'll be talking today about our national upcoming elections, which is truly, I believe, the most crucial election in our U.S. history, and what our founding fathers warned us about voting for ourselves. And finally, most all of us Americans today are good and honest law-abiding citizens. But is our passive obedience causing us to let our battle for America slip away? I'm going to lay out my thoughts on the actions we must take now to save our nation. I'm Jerry Stewart. I'll be back with more of this special Labor Day program after these messages. Hello and welcome back to this special Labor Day program. I'm Jerry Stewart. Are you flying your flag today? And if not, please do. Why? So that we and our families can show all that we stand for our great flag. We stand straight, no kneeling, and honor our flag. Hey, here's an idea. How about you and your family, your group, getting a picture, standing before the flag and reciting our Pledge of Allegiance? Do that. Then send the picture directly to me at jerrystewartusa at gmail.com. I'll see it. And if you give me permission, I'll include your picture in my next podcast for all to see. I like that idea. Please send it. 
maybe even some of our rich, professional, disrespecting athletes. Maybe they'll see your respectful standing and honoring of our flag. Be moved by what they see and stop their kneeling and disrespecting. Please send that picture. I'll be looking for it. Our nation, America, has had so many wars, so many times that we've had to fight for our own nation, our own safety and freedom. And sometimes we've had to stand and fight to protect others, too small and weak to protect themselves from the bullies and tyrants of this world. And I am so proud that we, over our history, we in America, have worked and fought to help others. And we still do today. But there was one war that few Americans even know about. It happened all the way back in 1898. It's called the Spanish-American War. And what happened in that war was one of the best stories of the cavalry with no horses. In 1898, when the United States went to war with Spain, a man by the name of Theodore Roosevelt was then the Assistant Secretary of the Navy. Now, Roosevelt had quite a reputation as a frontiersman and as being a man ready for any rough task needing to be done. So with the okay of the U.S. government, Theodore Roosevelt resigned his position, and along with his friend, Dr. Leonard Wood, they began to form a small army of special men to help fight that war. This group of men was to be all expert horsemen, and they were officially designated as the first United States Volunteer Cavalry. Now, privately, Roosevelt wondered if anyone would volunteer for such a dangerous job. But to his credit, literally thousands of men volunteered. They came from everywhere. And after they were chosen and trained, they were exceptionally good soldiers. A crack cavalry unit of 1,000 expert horsemen who came to be known as Rough Riders. And in a very short time, these Rough Riders were ready for battle. So they traveled by train from Texas to Florida and were given their orders to fight the Spaniards on a tiny island called Cuba. But here's where the twist comes. Even though they had been trained as cavalry, they were told that their horses would have to be left behind. They would be foot soldiers. And although Roosevelt gave them a choice to stay behind with the horses or fight, not one rough rider quit or resigned. They would follow their leader, Theodore Roosevelt, right into the very face of death. And on July the 1st, 1898, they saw that face of death and stood firm. With Theodore Roosevelt literally in the front, leading his men by example, these 1,000 rough rider cavalrymen, now on foot, charged up San Juan Hill and won the battle. And Theodore Roosevelt became a national hero. And later, he became the youngest president in our U.S. history. And our history books are full of true stories of action. Sometimes the action of only a few. Many times, only one person, each, seeing the need to stand and fight. But do you have to be a famous, well-known person to make a difference? Can only certain people make a difference? Of course not. Our nation needs each of us right now to stand up. And what difference can one person make? 
even if no one even knows who you are, listen to this story. In the mid-1800s, a young boy by the name of Leopold Karpelis lived with his family in the country of Czechoslovakia. But Leopold had heard so much about this great nation, America, and he wanted to come to America. And when he was 11 years old, his family did come. But Leopold was not satisfied to just live in America, to reap its benefits. He wanted to be a part of our great nation, and he wanted to work and strive to make our great nation even greater. But he was only one person. He was an immigrant, totally unknown, with no power or authority. What could he do? But he had something very important and powerful on his side. He loved America. So he joined in the fight for the Northern forces during the Civil War. But he didn't just join to fight. He actually volunteered for one of the most dangerous jobs, to be a flag bearer for his troop. Now, why was that so dangerous? Well, because the flag bearer's job was to carry the flag into battle to rally the soldiers. And the enemy knew that if you could seriously wound or kill the flag bearer, if the flag was to drop, the troops would not have the flag to rally around. Now, Leopold's family was concerned by his dangerous decision, and they actually tried to convince him otherwise. In one letter to his family, Leopold said this, I am aware that while providing a rallying point and courage for my comrades, that I'm also making myself a prime target for the enemy. But I have vowed to accept that risk, which I consider to be a privilege and an honor. Wow, what a challenge. And soon that challenge came. The date was May the 6th, 1864, and the two armies, North and South, were fighting near the town of Wilderness, Virginia. Eyewitnesses tell us that the Union Army was being defeated in that battle, and the Union soldiers began to run. Now, Sergeant Carpellis could have run with them, but as the one who carried the flag, his job was to rally the soldiers. So, while carrying no weapon, only carrying that flag, Carpellis realized that he must act regardless of the danger. So he found the highest spot where he could stand, putting himself clearly in the line of fire. And without any thought for his own safety, he began to wave that flag, shouting, for God's sake, boys, don't forget your colors. And the retreating soldiers, seeing him standing there in the direct line of fire, waving that flag, amazingly, they all stopped and turned from their retreat and they fought. The battle was saved. The lesson to learn here from Sergeant Leopold Carpellis? First, each of us has a duty to our America to stand up for what is right and do it. Second, we are not to look to our left or our right to see who is with us. Sometimes doing the right thing is a lonely place to be. And third, we are not to act for praise or reward, but for right to prevail. I truly wonder how many rioters and looters today, as they run around hiding behind their masks, covering their identity, stealing and looting and destroying property, I wonder how many of these would be willing to stand unprotected against an enemy with nothing to gain except knowing that you're doing the right 
thing. Wow. I'm Jerry Stewart. I'll be back with more after these messages. And now we return to One Nation Under God. Hello and welcome back to this special Labor Day program. I'm Jerry Stewart. In less than 60 days, we will have our 2020 national elections where we're voting as a nation to determine who will be the president of our United States. But let us not forget that this election will be about more than just our U.S. president. Of the 100 presently serving in our U.S. Senate seats, 35 are up for election. And in the House of Representatives, of the 435 seats held there, all 435 are up for election. Now, you might be saying, big deal, it's already settled. The powerful political machines, they're already calling the shots. Why even bother? Why even vote? Oh, really? Where were you in 2016 when presidential candidate Hillary Clinton was called as a shoe-in for president of the United States? And instead, an outsider, a person with no part in the political machine. Donald Trump won that election. And I can still see some of the newscasters that night crying and wailing that their candidate did not win. So, if the political machine, as powerful as it is, if this so-called all-powerful machine did not win in 2016, then who had the real power to choose? We the people. We do the choosing by this singular power we have called the vote. And this vote is very powerful and very dangerous. You say, dangerous? How so? Well, think about it. There's much talk today about the dangers of life. But normally, when the issue of danger comes up in conversation, it normally has to do with the watching out for dangerous things or circumstances or people seeking to bring harm to us. But how often do we talk about the dangers that we possess ourselves? And the bigger question is, what is your and my most dangerous possession? And some would say a, a big fierce dog or a gun or a fast car. But our truly most dangerous possession, get this now, is our ability to choose. The choices we make in our lives. And why are they so dangerous? Because our choices have consequences. And if our vote is one of our choices in life, then how we vote, who we vote for, will have a great consequence. It does in life, and it goes especially for a nation, our United States of America. And here's the scary thought. Our founding fathers, the inventors of our nation, were already very nervous about this idea of we the people having the power to vote. But why? Well, Benjamin Franklin said it this way. When the people in America, when they find that they can vote themselves money, that will herald the end of our republic. Wow. And think about it. 
Think about how many speeches and political platforms. Think about how many commercials are based on giving money to we the people based on how we vote. Now, is the money meant to buy our vote? Oh, of course, there are times when the citizens in our nation, when we do need help, financial help from our government. But what are some of the promises that are being made during this election? Well, things like free college tuition, free money given away to citizens every month. Some say free health care insurance with no premiums to pay. And if I'm a person who wants some of these freebies, what do I do? I vote for what I want. I vote for myself, even if it's a bad idea for my nation. You say, how could it be bad? Because nothing's free. Somebody has to pay for it. And someday, eventually, somebody's got to pay. Either we or our children or our grandchildren, the day will come that someone's going to pay for these freebies. And that's what Benjamin Franklin and the others feared, that by using our most powerful possession, that we might destroy the very America that we love. You say, okay, Jerry, you got me this far. How can I know how to use my vote? How to make the choice that's best for our nation? First, register to vote and do it now. In our last election, believe it or not, in 2016, more than 40% of all of our qualified voters did not vote. Folks, we must vote. I'm taking a short break now, but when I return, I'm going to share my heart with you as to what I believe we must do to save our America. I'm Jerry Stewart. I'll be back with more after these messages. Hello and welcome back to this special Labor Day program. I'm Jerry Stewart. Today is Labor Day, a day set aside to remember and to be proud of our America. But here's where the hard part comes. Staying a great America. You see, staying a great nation is not to be assumed. In fact, we could lose our greatness in a very short time, unless we work to keep it. One of our truly greatest presidents in our nation's history was Ronald Reagan. He loved America. He wanted what was best for our nation, but he also saw how easy it would be to lose America. Regarding freedom, President Reagan said this, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. That's true. There is no guarantee. And as we talk here today, folks, we are beginning to lose our freedoms. In some of our greatest cities across America, so many are afraid to even walk down their own streets at night. Why? Because there are thieves and thugs and punks out on every corner waiting to do their terrorizing. But so many are not peaceful protests. They are riots. You say, Jerry, these aren't riots. They're, they're protests. Our First Amendment right to protest. Okay, show me in the Constitution, in that First Amendment, show me where it says 
that we have the right and freedom to tear down businesses, to loot and rob stores, to terrorize the neighborhood, beat people up. No, there is no First Amendment right to break the law. And what did President Ronald Reagan have to say about all of this as related to our American freedom? He said that for us to keep our freedom, our freedoms must be fought for, protected, and safely handed down to our future generations. But you say, Jerry, how do we do that? How do we make these lawbreakers stop breaking the law? By enforcing the law. Folks, we don't need more new laws. We have the laws already. What they have to be done is to be enforced. But in so many cities, the mayors, the councils, the leaders, instead of taking these lawbreakers to jail, instead, so many are telling the police and law authorities to do nothing. And these lawbreakers, most all of them young people, they're running around in the dark with their faces covered, breaking the law, tearing down the city, terrorizing the citizens, stealing, looting, and laughing at America. And folks, that makes me mad, and it makes me hurt that this America that I love so very much can be treated so badly. And our local and state leaders, so many of them, do little or nothing to stop it. But all this brings me back to what I talked about earlier, the real power that we the people have, the power of the vote, and not just voting. We should be showing up at local council meetings, writing editorials to our local papers and TV and radio, speaking straight out to our local and state leaders with this simple and powerful message. Do your job. Protect we the people, the citizens. Save our communities or we're going to vote you out. Then do it. It's our greatest power. And if we continue to let this happen, it's going to destroy our nation. How do I know? Because the British government already tried it all the way back in our nation's beginnings, and it almost worked. They gave the colonists no real ability to remove bad leaders and the right to speak up and speak out. (laughs) If you stood on a street corner or gathered as a group to let your voice be heard, you were arrested and put into shackles publicly for all to see to keep others from also speaking out. And what about our right to protect ourselves? The British government was working to take away the guns from the honest, law-abiding citizens. Why? To keep them from fighting back. And today, the same thing is happening. There are some seeking power in our coming elections that, if elected, they have said... They want to take away our guns. And what is their reason? They say guns are dangerous. Folks, guns can be dangerous, but only if the wrong people have that gun. And if our government is successful in getting the guns from we, the law-abiding citizens, if they find a way to get our guns, then the only people with guns will be the hoodlums and criminals, and we won't be able to protect ourselves. In just a few days, it will be September the 11th, the Remembrance Day of the terrorist attacks on our nation, September the 11th, 2001. 
And when people today are wondering what we are to do today to save our America, I say, look back to 9-11 and think about it. After the horrible terrorist attacks, after so many Americans had been killed with buildings falling, planes full of Americans crashing, what did those people do? Well, first, what did the people do that were actually in the danger? They stuck together. They stood with each other, fought the terror together. There were reports and calls from people in those burning towers. They told stories of those there in the towers that were strong enough, well enough to escape that terror. But instead of running to their own safety, many stayed behind to help others too weak or afraid or injured to escape. And the firefighters going up the stairways as the jet fuel poured down those same stairs, the firefighters did not turn back. They kept going. And many, so many firefighters never made it out. And over those next days and weeks and months after that terrible day, what happened? Flags went up everywhere. American flags everywhere as far as you could see. Every home flying a flag. And there was no one kneeling in disrespect to those flags. We all stood proudly. And the signs in businesses that normally were inviting people to shop, all the signs said, God bless America, pray for America. Churches were overflowing, praying to the true Father of our nation to help us, to lead us, to give us strength. And He did. It was truly one of the most horrible moments in our nation's history and truly one of our greatest moments. United we stood. Oh God, let us never forget 9-11. I'm Jerry Stewart. I'm taking a break now, but when we return, I'll give you some final thoughts after these messages. Hello and welcome back to this special Labor Day program. I'm Jerry Stewart. Today is Labor Day, and in today's program, I'm doing my best through words and stories to help us all not to give up on our America. With this horrible COVID-19, with the job layoffs, the protest turning into deadly and destructive riots, with all the crime and fear on the streets, it's hard to feel safe and proud of our America. But America is worth saving. So what do we do? First, realize that there are some in America today who don't love this nation. Even some of our leaders. Oh, they want any of the good things being passed out by America. But when the dark clouds of life begin to come, they refuse to stand up for America. It was Thomas Paine, all the way back in 1776, who said this, These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. The message from Thomas Paine, When times are hard, few will stay and fight, but fight anyway alone if necessary, because our America is worth fighting for. But 
What do we do today? Let's think about it this way. Today can be the first day of our new track to follow. And here's what we do. We first fly our flag, not just today, not just on the holidays, fly it all the time. And if we all do this, all of the houses, all reminding us that this flag is us, we the people. Next, get the neighbors together to organize like a block watch and agree to watch over and protect each other. We've lost so much of this idea of neighborhood unity, and today in America, we need it more than ever. Next, stand for God. Folks, there's a reason why God was given the title as the father of our nation. There's a reason why George Washington refused to be the king of America. When asked why, he said this, America already has a king, King Jesus. We need to bring God back into our homes. Get a family time for you and your family to come together to talk about our nation, to read God's word and pray. Pray for what? A safe and healthy family, for the safety and health of others, for our community, for our police officers and those leading us. Pray for us to get God's good help, for us to love others when others aren't that easy to love. Don't listen to so many of the lies and double talk you hear from the news commentators. So many of them don't want America to get better. Instead, do some reading yourself. Perhaps read for the first time in your life how our founding fathers asked God for his help, and he did it. Wow, my time is all up, but I invite you to go to my website at www.jerrystewartusa.com. I have articles and videos, all G-rated, all the truth. I'm Jerry Stewart. May God bless America. May God bless you.